So Money episode 1481, What Women Want with Aliza Freud, founder and CEO of She Speaks. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I can't tell you how many women tell us that they don't like talking about money. They'd almost rather talk about anything else. And then, for example, this impacts whether we feel that we are entitled to go in and ask for a raise. Welcome to So Money, everybody. It is March 1st, Women's History Month. And for a lot of this month, we're going to be spotlighting leading women, entrepreneurs, and field experts. And so today we're going to kick things off with Elisa Freud. She's a friend and an entrepreneur in her own right, as well as the go-to person these days for learning about what women want. Aliza is the founder and CEO of She Speaks. It's an online marketing platform that builds and operates largely women-led influencer communities on behalf of Fortune 500 brands. She's here to talk to us about what compelled her to start her company in the thick of the Great Recession in 2009, why that was actually an opportune time. Her specific advice for all of us out there who are aspiring to be influential, to become thought leaders on how to lay a strong foundation for long-term success. That's the key, right? You don't want to just grab the shiny objects. It's not a race to the bottom. And what do women want? You know, when it comes to career, money, and defining success, a She Speaks Women's 2023 Prediction Survey actually found that 78% of women say their number one concern going into this year is the economy. And a distant second to that, believe it or not, is their health. 48% said health is their number one concern. But despite this, the survey also found that more women believe that their own financial situation will improve this year. And now three years after the start of COVID, what is the number one way women want to reacclimate and make up for some of the hardships that they endured during the pandemic? Elisa has some insights. Here's Elisa Freud. Aliza Freud, welcome to So Money. It's so nice to welcome you to the show as you were so generous to have me on your podcast. How are you? I'm doing great and I am excited to be here. I obviously know about She Speaks, but tell us about the world dominating force that is She Speaks and and maybe what your proudest achievement has been as the company has evolved. Um, you have been at the forefront of so many trends in, uh, in, in the female space, in the women's world. But um, I want to hear from you, like give you the space to like share your story a little bit and wh- why you're so uh, jazzed about running She Speaks. Well, thank you for that. Um, So She Speaks today is the largest and most diverse community of female consumers and influencers. And I started the company uh, back in 2008 because I understood that women were making over 80% of the purchase decisions in the United States. And that's on everything from cars to food to, uh, to, you know, across, across multiple categories yet, because I came from, uh, the marketing world, I felt like companies were still marketing to women. Like it was, 
like the 50s or the 60s. Yeah, the Mad Men era. Yeah, in the sense that like, if we just make it pink, then women will want it. Or if we, you know, just lean into these stereotypes of women, then they will want our products. And I knew that that was not working and that it was wrong. So I really just had this mission when I started which was to build a stage for women and hand them the microphone. So basically give them a chance to tell companies uh, what, what, what they cared about, what they liked um, from product reviews to product sampling, all of that. That's where we started. But then what I realized is that a lot of the women who were joining our community to be on our research panel to give companies their opinions were what you now call influencers back then God help us. They were called mommy bloggers. It drives me bananas. That, that's <laughs> what we were calling these amazingly talented women. But the they, obviously that space has evolved significantly. So once we realized that we had women who were nurturing these huge audiences of followers because they were smart at creating content. They were sharing of themselves and people cared about their stories. We realized that there was an opportunity to have these women help the brands, the companies market their products in a way that would actually convince their followers, other women to buy their products. So Mm -hmm. our company has evolved in terms of our services that we offer. We started very much by offering research and, um, and insights, but where we've evolved to now is we have thousands upon thousands of influencers, uh, who we get, who we pay and they make an, uh, they make a living from the opportunity to collaborate with these brands and these companies to help them get better, um, and to, uh, to, to broaden their audiences. So that's kind of a little bit about cheese speaks. And the thing that I think I'm proudest of is, well, of course we've been around since 2008, which is, I, I know has not always, it's not always a straight line entrepreneurship. And I find entrepreneurship on its own, just a fascinating area, one that I, so many women are getting involved in. But I think the thing that I am very proud of is that our mission is still the same today as it was back in 2008. And we are very clear that the audience we serve are these women. And that has always been the guiding star, so to speak, our North star. And, and we are, uh, we are dedicated to making sure that we provide them with value because then it provides all of the companies we work with, with value. I was going to say 2008 was also a recession. Mm-hmm starting a business then, what made you think you could do it at a time when the economy was, you know, falling off a cliff? I mean, honestly, that's the best time in some cases to start a business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ignorance is bliss a little bit. Um, I think there's, <laughs> there's the, there is this uh, idea that uh, I, I just felt very strongly that digital was, I mean, if you think back to 2008, some of the social platforms that you now talk about all the time didn't even exist, but I knew that digital was becoming a bigger part of how companies were talking to and how they would reach a target customer. So I felt that if we could create a way for companies to tap into digital, we would get it done more efficiently. It would be more cost effective for them. And especially as you kind of veer into a recession, something that's cost effective is going to be appealing. Mm -hmm. Later, I want to ask for your thoughts on influencer 
growth and how, I mean, I get people asking me all the time, Farnoosh, I want to, I want to start something. I'm creative. I want to write. I want to speak. Like, where do I start? And so who best to answer that but you? But first, I want to talk a little bit about what you said earlier, which was that, you know, in 2008, you recognized this sort of void in the market. While 80% of purchasing decisions were made by women across all you know verticals within a household, they weren't really being heard. They weren't being listened to. They weren't being marketed to. Mm-hmm. How is that pitch today. Are you finding still pushback when you are introducing women's ideas or trying to push for the woman's point of view? Is that all in our past now or are there still some hurdles? I think that there are hurdles in, and certainly depending on the industry, I would say that the industries around financial services could be one of them. Um, so, which I know is near is something that is near and dear to you, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of these companies and have dual these financial services companies recognize not just the buying power of women, but the investments that women can actually, the access to capital and what they can do with that. So um, I do think that there are certain certain industries that still are catching up. But I think still the overarching issue in all of the industries as it relates to appealing to women is that sometimes companies get so caught up in their features, like here's what the, the the feature of my product, that they forget to talk about the benefit. And with women, benefit-driven messages are by far more mm-hmm. uh, successful than than a feature-driven message. So what I mean is women want to understand how the product makes their life better, easier, uh, you know, makes them look smarter, whatever the case may be. Tell me why the product is going to make my life better. That mm-hmm. is a benefit-driven message. And I think a lot of companies still have not gotten that. They still are so so focused on the features of their product that they don't allow a benefit-driven conversation. So when you're talking about money, as an example, if you're a financial services company, let me understand what having this line of credit or this credit card, whatever, how it's going to allow me to do the things that I want to do in my life versus the fact that it has this APR or what, I mean, that's not right. what is most critical when you're talking with women. I get that. Part of the messaging that sometimes doesn't land for women. And I hope, it, I hope it will one day, cause I really want women to embrace this is like, this product will make you wealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think still women and forget the marketers, but women as a, as a group, right? We haven't really been given permission to feel like it's okay to go after the money and to do something purely for financial benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And until that happens, I do think, I mean, cause I still want women to invest, you know, like what's the message they, that really does resonate with them. Then maybe it's about how, when you are wealthy, how that can allow you to make an impact, to buy more time into your life, to mm-hmm. spend more time on the things that you care about. So don't stop at the dollar sign because yes. sometimes that doesn't really give us the, you know, the ambition there, like what you... I hope it will. But, you know, to say like, this is what it can afford you. Yes. Well, that is, and that is the key. I mean, that's what we found in all of our research, honestly, Farnoosh. I mean, you obviously understand this intuitively, but I think that what we have found in talking with women about this is that they are, women are more 
inspired by what it is that they want to accomplish, how they want to give back, how they want to, what kind of life they want to make for their families than they are with a goal of achieving a dollar amount. So the goal of this much money they recognize is, is the means to the end, but not the end. And I think that's the the thing that uh, companies have to understand about how women view money is it is uh, it is the thing that allows them to do what they want, but it's not the goal in and of itself. Hmm. Well, you answered my next question about what does the modern woman want when it comes to feeling fulfilled and happy and, and how does she expect to reach this goal and afford it? We, you sort of touched on it from, from the financial lens, but generally speaking, because you have your ears and eyes to the ground so much, what does the modern woman want these days that maybe would surprise us because we live in a patriarchy and sometimes the messaging gets warped. We think women want certain things, but they don't, you know, or we think we should want certain things, but we don't. So here's the thing. I want to, I want to say this with the understanding that the last three years have been very destabilizing for women. The, the last three years of the pandemic where, where if we, when we asked women what they what they were emotionally feeling over the last three years, the number one emotion for basically two and a half years was uncertainty. And there is an impact of feeling that that is your number one emotion, that uncertainty, there's an impact on how that makes you feel about everything else. So when I tell you that what maybe would be surprising to your audience is that what women are looking for this year, we, we're calling this the year of reconnecting and learning something new. So women have felt the void of not being able to connect with people the way that they've wanted to. And for women, that is a hugely important thing, their relationships with friends, family, people in their lives. So that reconnection is a really important thing for them this year that has grown year over year. The other thing though, is that because women have felt uncertain and stuck over the last couple of years, they are looking to learn something new. Thankfully, that doesn't require an enormous amount of money. There are lots of tools that you can go on YouTube and learn something. There are lots of opportunities now for women to learn, but that is a really important thing that has jumped to the top of the list in terms of what women are interested in and gaining some insight and whether it's a hobby or a new skill. Those Mm -hmm. are, that's really what women are looking to do, um, in, in this coming year. That's what I'm looking to do. (laughs) You know, (laughs) does that, does that check with you as well? Does that, does that stack? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, for me, I've been on a pursuit of understanding for the last few years. And I think that a lot of women are, are telling us they feel the same way that they have, because we've been so busy doing It hasn't really given us a lot of time to understand what is important to us. What COVID did was it kind of was this shock to the system. Like, oh my gosh, 
what, what am I spending my time doing? What's the purpose? And I think that's why you have so many women now who are saying, I'm kind of interested in learning something new. I want to explore other areas that I haven't been doing up until now. So I think that's really what is a, a big driver of why people are looking to, to learn something else because they're realizing that maybe the way that they have done it up until now, there's more out there. There's more to life than what they've already experienced. Well, it feels like a risk because as women, we have been conditioned to take care of everybody else and ourselves last. Mm -hmm. And so when we finally put our feet down and go, you know what, this is going to be the year of my self-growth and my meeting, tending to my needs, it can feel a little bit like we're breaking a rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I applaud all the women who, who've prioritized themselves this year, who want to prioritize themselves this year. Going back to money for a minute, Aliza, what are the conversations specifically around money that you think women should be having, but they're not? So you know a lot about what women are talking about, do care about, do plan to do with their money and everything else. But in terms of like what you, what are your hopes for women? And, you know, because maybe we still are our biggest we are our biggest roadblocks to doing something bigger or more meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we still harbor a lot of bad scripts in our minds about, we have limiting beliefs, right? About what yeah. we're capable of and all of the mm-hmm. things. And when it comes to money specifically, because this is so money, uh, what do you want more women to be mindful of? I think it's the the biggest thing is their worth. I, I mean, we, I can't tell you how many women tell us that they don't like talking about money. They'd almost rather talk about anything else. And then, for example, this impacts whether we feel that we are entitled to go in and ask for a raise that, or we are entitled to go ask for money for something that we may have been offering our services for free. I mean, how many women do you know who are constantly just saying, oh, I'll, you know, I'll volunteer for that. I'll do that. Think about even employee relations groups, the ERGs within companies, uh, they're very much populated by women. You don't historically get paid extra for doing that. It is something that women take on and they do it without an expectation of any additional compensation. That's just a minor example. But in general, women tell us they really don't like talking about money and they really do not feel comfortable asking for what they think they're worth. So mm. my hope is that women will start to have these conversations about money and and start to get to a, um, a place where they're recognizing that if they don't ask, they're not going to, it's not like somebody sitting around thinking, oh, should we give Sue a raise? It's, you have to ask for it. And it doesn't, and, and you, by you asking, you're not inconveniencing someone else. You are are letting them understand that you are, you understand what your value is and hopefully they will respond in kind and you'll have a positive response to it. But Aliza, companies are very good at making you feel like you are inconveniencing them Mm -hmm. when you are asking them for basics. It is something that I've experienced and I think you just call it out. Sorry to be inconveniencing you. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point Mm -hmm. you just got to get a little, not nasty, but you know what I mean? Just like call it out, call out their bad actions. And and I think maybe before I get to that, sometimes what I think a good line, if you're just feeling like stuck and your conversations are being dead ended at work, a friend of mine just did this successfully. And he said, um, 
what would you do if you were me? What would you do if you were me? Hmm? Because what that requires the other person to do is to actually put themselves in your shoes. Yeah. And I think that there is a lack of empathy at work. We hopefully don't have to get to that level because like it should just be understood that you your work merits a certain amount of compensation. And if you're not making that, then you should earn it. Um, but until we get there, we kind of have to play these psychological games with each other. Yeah. Well, and and I think the the thing that is really important for I, for women to understand about this is, A, you are not inconveniencing someone to have this conversation because all of your male counterparts are doing it. Yeah. They are doing it. So it is up to us to step up and do it and put it in their minds because that's what I'm saying too. I don't, I, I have recognized over time, like when you start working and, and, and I, I always thought, oh, they're sitting around and all they're doing is thinking about what I need and what I want. That is not what anyone is thinking about. Well, they are thinking about lots (laughs) of other things and that is not one of them. It's a sobering uh, reality, uh, you know, that, oh gosh, could it be that my company doesn't actually love me as much as I love that, love the company? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not trying to be harsh, but it's just business. That's right. And they have lots of other things to think about. They do. And then right now, a lot of people are getting laid off and Mm -hmm. writing these really hurtful posts, hurtful, like they're hurt, you know, about I got blindsided. I got woke up to a layoff email and that's Mm -hmm. insensitive. You know, when a company Mm -hmm. lays you off via generic email, I mean, let's, Mm -hmm. that's uncalled for, but companies have been laying off people. It's it's what they do. They grow, they shrink, they grow, they shrink. And it's almost never about your performance. Yeah. When people get laid off, they're the last to know, but often their manager was the second to last to know. It yeah. came through from the high above from HR people who have never even worked with you. They're just looking at what you make and your role and they're going to put that against what the company needs to save and where it's headed. Yeah. And if you don't fit at least one or two of those criteria, like you're probably going to get a pink slip. So it's not personal. It happens all the time. I had, you know, the great fortune of getting laid off in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I got that messaging early in my life. Speaking of early in your life, you have two daughters, Aliza, they're in their teenage season. Uh, mm-hmm. as before they leave the nest, what do you want the most important thing that you want for them to learn about money? Someone asked me this the other day, I got stumped. I have two small kids, but mm-hmm. so I actually think it's a great question. I'd love to, to ask you that. Uh, I hope that this is not, I'm not getting people upset by saying this, but after living, uh, you know, life and, and experiencing things, I would want my girls to know that money is a means to an end. It is not the end. You are not going to get fulfilled or feel fulfilled based on how much money you make. And that, so what that means is you should pursue something that you actually enjoy and that, that gives you a feeling of purpose and of, uh, and is meaningful to you. And then the money will follow because you are, you are way more likely to be successful in that if it is a job or, or whatever it is something that you enjoy doing versus doing it because, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money. So right. that is what I would want them to know. If you're a responsible human being, you will be able to pay your bills and you learn, you know, you learn how to balance a checkbook, so to speak. Um, You will, you will learn. Figuratively speaking. Yeah, we know. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, exactly. I don't know if anyone's even using checks anymore, but, but, but it is 
to me, what I've learned is that the money in and of itself does not bring you the happiness. It does not bring you fulfillment. It's really about the finding something that is interesting to you, that you enjoy doing, that you feel like you're contributing. And if you can do that, you the money will follow as you need it. Thank you. All right. I promised everyone this question, which is if you were guiding someone right now who has a lot of great ideas, they're creative, but they're really overwhelmed because, you know, compared to 2008, <laughs> we have like 10x the social media platforms. There's, mm-hmm. you know, forget blogs. Now there's podcasts and, vid- you know, videos taking on a whole life form. Uh, where would you advise them to begin? What would be sort of foundational advice for someone who wants to grow a long running a uh, successful thought leadership platform, influencer platform. Get very real very quickly about who you are and what value you offer. What do you, what do you have a perspective on that you think is interesting? What do you want to share with people? And be very clear in your mind about what that is. Then set about staying true to that. Be true to, okay, this is, you know, this is what I have to offer. This is what I know how to do. I'm a photographer. I take beautiful pictures of things, or I love to go on these adventures, these fun adventures and travel. And here are the adventures I go on, or I'm a great chef, whatever it is, figure out what that is and stay true to it. And as you build your audience, be very smart about understanding why they come to engage with your content. Mm -hmm. What is it about you and what you're bringing to them that is intriguing? And the good news about this for somebody who starts to, any influencer who builds an audience, anybody who builds an audience on social media is that you cannot help but figure out from your audience what they care about. Because you can see what they engage with. You can see their comments. You can see all of that. You learn very quickly what they are interested in and why they are following you. So I would say, you know, figure out who you are, be very clear on that, and then stay authentic to what that is, what that content is, uh, and, and an audience will follow. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would only add that when you do land on which medium you're going to pursue, whether that, and you can do all of them eventually, but start one place, you know, maybe it's just Instagram or it's just TikTok or depending again on what you're, what you're sharing, if it's really visual, I would do Instagram. If it's more conversational, maybe, and it's more corporate bended, maybe it's LinkedIn, maybe it's, um, you know, a Facebook group, but be consistent and just really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it because again, if it becomes a chore, if it becomes something you have to do, you're not going to like it and it's going to come through. Like yeah. people can tell when you're having a good time yeah, and when you're just doing something because you're somehow you've committed to it and, and there's no way out. You're like a prisoner of your own of your own content platform, which is not this podcast, by the way. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. (laughs) It's not She Speaks. I mean, the only reason She Speaks is still around, the only reason this podcast is still around is because we actually like what we're doing. That's right. That's right. And which goes back to your advice to your daughters. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I would say that what you're talking about though, with influencers, a lot of influencers fall into this. They start to think, 
too much about, well, what's going to get the most likes, what's going to get the most views. And instead of focusing on what content do they want to create and do, do what audience do they want to serve? And if you stay right. true to that, what content do you want to create? What audience do you want to serve? You will, you will hopefully avoid that situation where you look, you look at like turn around and you go, what am I spending my time doing? And is this right. at all fulfilling to me? Aliza Freud, thank you so much. What a conversation. I just adore you. I'm so impressed with everything that you have built. I'm honored that we've collaborated in the past and hopefully more in the future. Thank you for having me on your show. I'll have that link in our show notes. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody check out shespeaks.com if you'd like to learn more about Aliza and the company and all their impact. Happy New Year again, my friend. And thank you so much for all your support. You're great. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks to Aliza for joining us. Check out She Speaks to learn more about her online marketing platform and to get in touch with Aliza. I'll see you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. Send in your questions to farnoosh at so moneypodcast.com. Until then, I hope your day is so money. So money.